Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So it is the the warm days of summer. Um, uh, we are, um, I think, I think the, the U.S. just is, has survived a heat wave, and uh, I'm in Europe right now, and they're having another one of those, and you know, in, in, the, in the, the heat of the day, as I sit there co- contemplating my, uh, my future, my, my thoughts keep coming back to the Apple Watch, um, which is very strange in many ways for something that you t- to think a lot about on vacation. But that is what I find myself um, often thinking about. And as a platform, it's something that the more I think about it, the more I start to see um, patterns and opportunities in it. And I think there's a lot of interest, interest in terms of discussing those patterns and opportunities in the context of the, the show. Because I think, in general, whenever the more that we can... It, it is very useful to kind of try and anticipate um, opportunities or things that are coming, you know, that will present, will present unique things that we can, we can, we can act on um, as in, independent developers or just in general as, you know, as people who are trying to, you know, make a living in the App Store. And uh, in, the watch is an interesting platform, I think, in that way. And specifically, I've been thinking a lot about how I think the hardware that we get this year, uh, you know, I don't, it's, I, I, well, you know, it's not for sure. But I think it'd be very unlikely if we didn't get a new Series 5 Apple Watch this fall. Like, that just seems like a lock exactly when that comes. If it's with the iPhone in September or if it's maybe in October, who knows? But sometime this fall, there's going to be almost certainly a new Apple Watch. And a pattern that I started to, when I started to think about the, the various Apple Watches we've seen to date, I think is starting to kind of emerge a pattern in the way in which they're developed. Um, where that, and I think that mirrors very closely the you know the development of the iPhone and the iPad, and I don't think that's a sort of an, an accident. I think this is something in the way that Apple iterates on products and the way that their kind of iteration mindset works. Where the first generation Apple Watch, the Series Zero Apple Watch, um, it barely worked. Um, it was a product that. Um, you know, it was a functional product and I think would work, you know, it's like it did what it needed to do, but it barely did it. And especially on the application side, it was rough, like very rough in lots of horrible ways. Um, and, you know, that watch has now been sort of shoved to the, shoved to the side. It's no longer supported in, you know, watch OS 5, let alone 6. Um, and then it was replaced by, you know, the series... Um, one Apple Watch, which I think was a, well, I guess the Series 2 Apple Watch, and as well as the Series 1. But anyway, the, the next generation of Apple Watch um, came along in much the same way that the iPhone 3G did, where it was the first Apple Watch that kind of, that it, it got its legs under it. And it's, it seemed like its purpose was primarily just to take what, it's like fix all the little things that didn't quite work great um, on the first generation and just make them work. And then that was followed up by the Series 3 Apple Watch, which had the same physical design and but had tremendous um, steps forward in terms of processing power and in some ways battery life. But more interestingly, what I think is they took the battery life improvements that they could have kept um, in the device and instead they spent them on enabling cellular, where suddenly now we have enough capacity that we can actually do you know, cellular connectivity, which sort of worked and has its whole range of things. But from a hardware perspective, I think there's this clear pattern that they took, you know, they had the same case design and a year later they were able to squeeze a lot more out of that. And they sort of spent this excess 
in adding cellular as well as a little bit of performance. Then last year, we get the Series 4, which is a radical departure physically um, from the first three generations of Apple Watch. And this is where it gets interesting because now we have, you know, they took that increase in size because the watch is physically uh, bigger. And it seems like they took the advancements and probably also the increase in physical battery size. Um, They spent it on performance. Like, I think the, the Series 4 Apple Watch is very similar to Series 3 in most ways, um, except it is just way faster. Um, it doesn't really do, like, the ECG um, is the main, like, hardware feature that they added to it, but I don't feel, in my mind, and in sort of this, that is a, that is a technology they added onto it, rather than something that necessarily this new, um, like, like they, they didn't spend their excess on that so much as they added, they, they added that onto it in the same way that, you know, we, we might add the telephoto camera onto an iPhone, it is not necessarily like the, the previous iPhone could have done it, but it just didn't. It was just not physically there. Which leads me to this year and this fall, where the more I think about it, the more I think of this year, the Apple Watch is going to have a tremendous amount of excess to spend. Because um, if you imagine the amount of space and size that the these new kind of larger, chunkier Apple Watches, well, I don't, chunky, chunky is probably a bit unfair because it's thin, but it's physically much bigger. Then um, they have a year of advancement on that. I suspect that we're going to have a lot of like energy to work with. And what's interesting, I think, about that is they could spend that energy that they now have in a variety of different ways. Um, you know, if you imagine, say, that they could either now make the watch twice as fast or have twice as much battery power at a comparable performance, um, there's a lot of interesting things you can do with that, um, and. It's, A, I think interesting to see if this pattern starts to, it actually happens this fall. I think it's interesting just from a, um, as a, whether, you know, the viability of this platform and kind of to see where it goes. I think I found it very helpful on iOS and with the iPhone to wrap my head around a sense of this is the pattern that we start to see. Like when we get a new generation of phone, the next year we have the S cycle, which tends to um, add on more more nuanced features rather than just be about sort of the cosmetics or the aesthetics of something. It actually, you know, like whenever the 10s is, is sort of the, the 10 with lots of pluses. And I think we're going to start to see that in the watch. And if we do, I think that'll be good for the platform in terms of it gives me some confidence about, you know, that Apple has a good plan going forward for exactly what they're doing, that they're not kind of just shooting blindly with this, that they're, you know, they'll, they'll make a new case design and then the next year we'll get just that, that, but better. Um, but anyway, so that's sort of the pattern I'm seeing. Before I get into um, the, some of the cool ways that I think that Apple could spend this, does this seem at all reasonable to you? Like, am I just, is this me just in the heat of um, a European heat wave, just starting to make up <laughs> crazy things? Or does this actually seem like I'm, I'm onto something with this? I mean, Europe is not known for its air conditioning, but... Uh, no, <laughs> no, it is not. There is there is no air conditioning. I am I am very warm right now. Yes. <laughs> Uh, but it, it definitely does make sense. I mean, and to expand just very briefly on something you said a while ago now, um, one thing that makes the watch an interesting opportunity for developers, for indies in particular, like I've always liked when platforms are very young and there's not a lot you can do on them, but there's something you can do on them. And this is like original iPhone is the best example of this. Like when the App Store first came out 11 years ago, uh, which seems forever now. <laughs> that was a long uh, time ago. Like you apps couldn't do that much relatively speaking and that i always find is the most fun and provides the most opportunity for individuals because at that point you're not really limited by like people because 
more people still can't still can't make that great of an app or a game on like a graphing calculator like there's like there's limited abilities that the platform can even do and so individuals can compete better with bigger companies and everything and the platform itself we can compete better because the capabilities are so new and young and so the watch is still very much in that realm it's still very young uh it's still very limited um and so yeah and i think it is kind of a fun exercise to see like like, in the same way that sometimes on on tech podcasts we will joke about how easy it is for us to spend tim cook's money yeah i feel like this is like let's spend dan riccio's battery budget (laughs) and see like how how can we uh how can we spend the battery budget on the watch to make it better but first we are sponsored this week very thankfully by apply pixels Apply Pixels are the people aiming to empower developers and designers with the best design resources. They offer industry standard design resources, making them the go-to place for things like app icon templates, UI kits, icon sets, mock-ups, screenshot templates, and much more. Basically, if you need to make an app icon, a mobile or web UI, screenshots for the App Store, you should check out Apply Pixels. And new premium resources are released every month to keep up with industry standards. Apply Pixels makes design more approachable. Everything is super easy to use, and if you run into any problems, the support team will be right there to help. It's like your secret weapon. It's a bunch of high-quality design resources to make your app design the best it can possibly be. And this is great for people like, not only do they have icon sets, so if, if you want to buy like some glyphs to use as your in-app icons, you can go to Apply Pixels and you can get their icon sets and they're really nice. And you can also use them if you can design your own stuff, you can save a lot of time by using like an icon template that has all the right shapes and patterns and shadows and can export all the right sizes for any given platform. So for instance, I don't really know how to make Mac icons. I can draw a little bit, but I, I, like, I don't have all the right shapes and sizes. I don't know all those. They have templates to make Mac icons super easily, and every time there's a new version, they update their templates. So there's already a Catalina pack right there. Of course, iOS 13. Check it out. Apply Pixels has a special offer for our listeners. You can get 30% off any resource or membership by going to applypixels.com slash radar and using code radar30. So supercharge your design workflow today with Apply Pixels at applypixels.com slash radar, code radar30 for 30% off any membership or resource. Check it out today. Our thanks to Apply Pixels for their support of Under the Radar and all of Relay FM. All right, let's spend Dan Riccio's battery budget. What, how are we going to make the watch better by burning battery power? Yeah, so the first thing that I think comes to mind for me is thinking of the, the watch as it's like the thing that it is probably become most useful for um, is its health and fitness tracking. Um, and I start to think about what they could do on health and fitness tracking to make it more compelling and honestly more useful and complete. Uh, and the thing that comes to mind is, uh, and it's actually based on my experience using, there's a, a fitness tracker called the whoop, which um, I, I, I've tried all manner of fitness trackers just as in terms of trying to make sure that I'm kind of aware of the state of the art. And this is one that I tried for a while. And what was interesting about it is it is a device that it does nothing but continuous heart rate monitoring. Like that is its pure function. It has no screen. It has no um, anything on it. It's just like a strap you wear that has a heart rate monitor and like uh, just like a battery indicator. And then you have you know an app on your phone. And what was fascinating about it from when I you know I wore it for uh, you know several months is it is 
there's a, a powerful thing that you get when you have truly continuous heart rate monitoring. By that, I mean, essentially, the heart rate monitoring that you get during a workout currently on the Apple Watch. Um, like, I don't know exactly the interval that, they're, you know, that the Whoop is tracking versus what the Apple Watch tracks in a workout, but something where it is you are getting, you know, a heart rate sample all of the time, essentially. Um, and it was what fascinating is what that means and what that allows is that you don't need to then think about and be modal with your Apple Watch or it potentially in this case where it was always tracking your heart rate. Whereas right now you you say you want to work out, you have to say I'm working out. And when you do that, um, you know, it kicks up the, the heart rate sensor. It goes it starts, you know, starts spooling all these th- all these things up, all these high energy resources. Um, but it can only do it during a workout because it doesn't have the battery life. Um, but what that also means is that you'll miss workouts or you'll miss data for a workout. Like if you have the, if in the current, you know, watch OS five, they added the feature where you can, uh, you know, if you go for a run and you forget to start a workout, how, you know, like after you've been running for, um, whatever it is, half a mile, it'll be like, Hey, it looks like you're going for an outdoor run. Should we start it? And you say yes. And it'll have the right distance because the distance is always being tracked because that's coming from the accelerometers, which are part of like the step counting system. But the heart rate data hasn't isn't there, and if you look at it, you know if you look at you know a a graph for that in like workouts plus plus, you'll the first part of the first part of your run won't be tracked, and that's kind of a bummer and kind of sad. And so then you start to think, well, you could spend that this extra you know resources on continuous heart rate monitoring, or at least dramatically increased what it is now, where maybe it's every three to five minutes um, or so you'll get a heart rate sample sample out of the watch, um, and. I think that'd be really interesting and compelling. And I think it would also create, it's like, it's, it's another interesting set of opportunities for development just because something I have found time and time again is the more data that uh, Apple collects and adds to health, um, just like the more things that we can do. Like it's amazing that we can do um, automatic sleep tracking right now to based on the limited things that Apple Watch collects. And if they had continuous heart rate monitoring, that data would get even better, not even to get into sleep tracking, which is like topic three for me to, um, spend you know spend the, the energy resources with but anyway i think continuous heart rate monitoring would be very interesting and a compelling way to kind of spend this budget one thing that a lot of people would suggest immediately would be multi-day battery life sure multi-day battery life though i'm, I'm going to say that's a bad idea because there, there's two main issues with it number one is that you it's it's very expensive like a battery improvement year over year in two different models might be like 20 percent. maybe you get 20 percent more battery life or if, if you're if you have a really good advancement maybe 50 percent. if you get 50 percent more battery life from a watch that lasts one day it'll last a day and a half like that's not <laughs> that isn't that useful because nobody wants a watch that you have to charge every three days if you if you're charging it that regularly just charge it every night it's fine or don't have to charge it for like a month, right? And there's not a lot of value to have things in between. If you can't, if it can't last a month, which would require the battery to be about, you know, 25, 30 times bigger than it is now, <laughs> if it can't last that long, then just charge it every day and then you're fine. Like and, and nobody wants to have to charge it every three days because then that'll increase the rate that you will forget to charge it on that third day because you're in the habit of not charging it every day. So it's like, it, it, so let's rule that right out. Yeah, and I, and I will say too, like, I've I've used lots of fitness trackers, like I was saying, that have a wide variety of charging intervals. And some of them, um, like some of the Fitbits I've used, have like that three or four day charging intervals. And I will say far more, it's far more likely that those devices ended up dead at some point where 
it's just not part of my pattern, like my routine. And I mean, I wear an Apple watch all the time. Um, like I wear it when I sleep and when I'm awake and it's just, I'm in the routine that if I'm, you know, it's like whenever I'm getting ready for, like I'm taking a shower in the morning or I'm getting ready for bed, my Apple watch is on a charger and it's fine. Like that's all I need. And that part was, I think it's very important for like charging to be part of the routine of your life. And so like, yeah, having three or four days of battery life, like it, it would be nice, but it'd be nice mostly in like very narrow specific situations where like I'm traveling or I'm going hiking or some situation where it's not like day, just normal day to day life. So yeah, I don't think that is actually a great way to spend um, this, you know, this excess battery budget because it doesn't really improve the user experience very much in a way that like in a way that actually makes the device better rather than just like maybe it looks good on a slide maybe right and and if you have the budget to say last three days imagine what you could do in one day with the rest of the capabilities that we're that we're talking about so so anyway so one thing that i would put up there pretty high would be some kind of always on face mode because one of my biggest annoyances with the apple watch is when i look at it and it's just blank and i'm trying to see something on i'm trying to either check the time or check a complication or see you know what why did it just tap me and you know, maybe I'm like in the middle, like this morning I was doing the workout. I was like holding myself up in a high plank and my watch tapped me. And when you're holding a high plank, it's kind of hard to do the twisting motion to activate the watch to say, yeah. hey, what's on it? And, <laughs> and so like I just had to wait, you know, which wasn't the end of the world. But still, like it would have been a better device if it could show me that in some kind of always on mode. Now, I don't expect full color. I don't expect full brightness. That actually would be bad. I wouldn't want people's wrists glowing all day, especially like in dark rooms at night. That would be really distracting. But Android smartwatches have done this since almost the beginning. Like, we know it can be done. We know current battery and screen technology can handle this. Some kind of always-on display, I know it would be reduced brightness. I know it would be reduced update speed. Maybe it wouldn't have the animated seconds hand, but it could at least show, like, hour, minute, and very basic info past that. So that, I think, is is a, a good way to spend the budget. But one thing that that I'm going to name one more thing, and then I'm going to get into a little dilemma here that I think you'll probably have good opinions on. Um, I also would want for cellular models. I want a more persistent cellular connection. Right now, the cellular connection is is not very useful a lot of the time because it isn't reliable. Because much of the time, the watch powers it down to save power because it's very expensive to keep it on all the time. So. Reality-wise, I, I think cellular would be a lot more useful if that connection could be kept on as long as it was off Wi-Fi all the time. Like, just keep it on the way a phone is kept on or the way an iPad cellular connection is kept on. And, and that's – the problem is that is a big battery drain. So is all the you know constant heart rate monitoring. That would also be a, probably a similar level of battery drain. So would an always-on screen mode for you know time and, and basic data display. So maybe – you know, people suggest like, you know, having separate models, like ha- actually having maybe having the aluminum ones be like the sport ones and have those have continuous heart rate monitoring versus have the steel ones have because have, the steel ones already all have cellular. Um, maybe have those be the ones optimized for cellular or always on screens or something. I don't think this has to be separate models. I think this could just be different modes that you pick. Because everyone who buys an Apple Watch has different needs and different priorities. And while health is very popular... There's a whole bunch of people who wouldn't use continuous heart rate monitoring. And so maybe you get to pick, like, pick one. You can either have continuous heart rate monitoring, always on, like, always persistent cellular, or uh, the always on screen face. 
and that could just be a setting and you just pick you know you can choose as your needs change or as your preferences change or, or as the software changes you can just set that in settings uh that i think is it's, it's worth considering because any one of those things if they added any one of those things that might burn 30 percent more battery but for almost everyone else, for everyone who doesn't use those features which like for cellular almost no one uses cellular right so for people who don't use those features that's just a huge chunk of the battery that they don't really need um, but I feel like there's ways you can spend it that would be really useful to people. And and to have it just be an option, like, you know, it just because everyone doesn't use continuous heart rate monitoring, for instance, like, that can just be a setting. Yeah. And, and I think that's a, is it the way that, I mean, I don't know if it necessarily I would structure it that it would be exclusive, that you had to pick one. Like, you turn them all on and just know that your battery life isn't going to be as good. Um, like, that's a, is it you just, is, is you're empowering your user to make that choice. That if I'm someone who wants, like persist persistent cellular continuous heart rate monitoring and always on display and i understand that maybe my battery life goes back to what it was when it was a series two apple watch and like usually it got through the day but every now and then it would be a little funny like okay like we we made that work and i'd be making a conscious choice to do that um and also it's the i'm empowered to just turn them off and like you kind of imagine in the same way that with an iphone where you know you you know, you get to the point in the day where, you know, your battery gets down to 20% and then, it, it, your, you know, your phone pops up and says, hey, do you want to put on low power mode? Um, which is a slightly comedic thing on the watch right now where it says, like, do you want to turn on power reserve? And I've never turned on power reserve. And I've been wearing an Apple Watch since it came out, like, every day of my, you know, every day of my life. Like, power reserve mode is so silly where, it you know, you, it turns your, your this big fancy watch into something that you have to push a button to see the time. Like, it's a, it's a, it's a bad analog watch at that point. Um, so anyway, I, I, but I think that is a definitely something where, uh, speaking of the cellular, I think, I think it'd be great if they just made cellular better. Um, and honestly, I think a big way you could do that would be to make it like the cellular on, uh, iPads rather than trying to make it like a phone. Um, it's just something that I've, when I, the more I think about the way that cellular would be most useful for most people, um, is if, if I could only um, if at least in these, you know, as an option even, but it's like, if I could just have data so that I can do text messaging and FaceTime audio, um, on my, on my watch, but I don't need it to like ring my phone number and all those kind of like crazy complicated things that then make it really awkward when I want to cancel it or change it or turn it on and off. Um, because AT&T makes a big deal of it versus <laughs> yep. way on an iPad where you can just like, you add, you know, you, you, you want to add data to an iPad, an iPad. You just like go and turn it on for a month and then you can cancel it and turn it off. And it's all done inside of Apple's thing. I don't, there's no like contacting the, um, the cell provider. And I think that would change too. Like there's that. It's like if, you, if that, and if that cellular, you get a data, data only option that was cheap relatively in the same way that if you had the same pricing you get on iPad data plans, which are relatively inexpensive. Um, and then add to that the fact that you, you know, could make it more persistent. And in some ways, I think of it in the way that on an iPhone, you can say um, what they call it, Wi-Fi assist, I think it is, where they view, it views cellular as like the backstop for communication. That if, if, if it's having any, any issue communicating on Wi-Fi or in general, it falls back to cellular. Um, that, that's an option you can turn on. Like that would be great on the watch too, because just because you're in Wi-Fi range potentially, like I feel like sometimes it tries really, really hard to stay on my Wi-Fi network at home. And, you know, it's like I'm out in my backyard and it's re- it's like it's really trying to stay on that Wi-Fi. But um, it'd be great if it just switched to cellular in that situation because 
that's fine. You know, it's, it's, I, and I'd be fine if it, you know, as long as it's, if it's, if I have the battery power to spend for it, then great do it. Um, so anyway, that's another thing on the data side and on the cellular side that I think there's so much that could be done there. And I think that is one of those things where, you know, this year they talk so much about independence and what independent, like trying to make the watch independent, like making the cellular story more compelling than just this like really awkward, complicated thing with, that that I found like in my in my like I didn't my last Apple Watch I bought I wasn't cellular because I had such a bad experience with trying to like deal with AT and T with my first time I first time I did it um, that it's like I didn't go down that road so I'd love to see them come in just like they did with the iPad and just be like hey we have a better story for this now you know and it, it's limited in some ways like you can't just make phone calls but if you want to do that you can go ahead and do that you know it's like sign up for AT and T for that but in the app you know we partnered with T Mobile and they have this great you know, you buy 500 megabytes of data for whatever, you know, for, for not very much money every month and you can just use it that way and it'll be fine. Yeah, that would be great. One thing also, like I, probably my biggest request for if we had, you know, Dan Richie's budget to spend here. Yeah. I would love, in so many places, watchOS software-wise and the APIs that we are allowed to use as developers are extremely limited because it so aggressively has to conserve power. Things like the CPU limit of like, you know, two seconds of CPU time that an app can use before it gets killed and stuff like that. There's so much of that that is extremely limited in what apps can do. One of the biggest areas for that that I run into is I can't make a good complication because complications can only request, you know, a certain number of updates and eventually you like run out of update budget and stuff. Like it's just, there's so much about watchOS software and API wise that, could be so much better for developers and we could make such better apps if there was a little bit more relaxation of some of those restrictions some of the resource restrictions some of the like you know more frequent background updates more frequent complication updates or just an actual like live complication api which would be even better um and and i think maybe that also might be an an argument why we don't have third-party faces but hey let's get third-party faces too like the, the if we have more battery to spend Spending out on stuff like that could be a huge boost to the app ecosystem. Yeah, and I think complications is a great example of something where it's it is very awkward right now. I will say, like as someone who's made a tremendous, spent a huge amount of time working on complications, there is just it's just very limiting. When at best, the most the, the most often that I've been able to reliably have a complication update is probably about every fifteen to twenty minutes, which is fine like if you're trying to have something continuously update throughout the day i suppose but is it's not great like it causes lots of confusions and lots of things and of course apple's complications don't do this um so it isn't something that isn't like it's not tech that it's not technically possible it's just a question of policy and um like privilege that you know that you know if if you look at the activity you know the activity um numbers that you're getting for the for Apple's activity faces, they update essentially in real time, you know, and, and, you know, if you tap on them, they'll be exactly the same as what's shown in the activity app. But there's no way that I can do that currently. There's no way that I can have this sense of kind of continuous update or more continuous update, even if it isn't strictly continuous, you know, if it's being up, there's a big difference, I think being, you know, up to date once per minute versus being updated once every 20 minutes. And that would be a great way to spend that budget in, in, in general about making the, the watch face itself more compelling um you know and i think with the it tying into a little bit with the always on display like i think something that's kind of interesting there is i would imagine that the actual sort of always on part 
would probably just be the time potentially. And then if, if you like, if like you were saying in terms of if there's a notification or like the little, you know, like the, the dot, the, 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 the red dot, like the red eyes staring at you, uh, I could imagine having some indication as to what that red dot is indicating um, be there even, you know, for privacy reasons, that's not going to like show you the time, the, you know, the text message you just received, but maybe you have a, either a red dot there or the message icon or something. Um, but that would probably would be just that, um, in terms of it would only show a very basic thing because the whole point is that you want to turn on as few of these OLED pixels as possible. So, um, but then like make the experience, you know, when you raise your wrist, like make that experience really good because, the basic experience now isn't just the watch face. You know, the basic experience is the always on, you know, really simple thing. So like, I think you could yeah, do a lot there. Um, and you know, at this point it's hard to expect necessarily that we would get like live updating complications, but even if just on the series five watch, they boosted all the quotas a bunch sort of in, in a more um, transparent way to the user and to the developer. I think that would go a long way as well. Yeah, like once a minute, that would be amazing. You could, as you said, like you could do so much more with once a minute, and and certain types of applications just can't have useful complications until we do. Like I can't make a useful media control complication, or like I can't display like how far along how far along you are in playback very usefully. Um, things like you know flight trackers, like if if there's like a delay, they can't really show that on the complication because by the time you see it, you know that that information is pretty out of date. Like there's there's just that's what I want to see. Like s- expansion of what kind of apps can even be made or what how good apps can be on the watch by raising these very aggressive budgets that exist everywhere yeah and i think i think I, i'm really hopeful that we'll get this like apple seems to really care about the apple watch so i mean these are all the ways that i came up with and you came up with to spend you know spend this battery budget and i'm just super excited to see what we're going to get in a couple months um and all the kind of the cool apps that we're going to be able to make as a result yep so thank you for listening everybody sorry dan riccio and we will see you in two weeks bye